Hi, friends. This week I had a conversation with my friend Stuart Swain, who is the RUF campus minister at the University of Alabama, and we talked about developing and practicing a rule of life, and I am excited to share this conversation with you. Here it is. David Brooks on the Veritas Forum a few weeks ago made the comment that many of us are used to living with a strong exoskeleton. They were used to having our schedule and our responsibilities imposed on us from the outside. And now that we're in quarantine, all of that has gone away. And now, Brooks says, we must develop an endoskeleton, meaning when we were once externally motivated and held together, now we must find new ways to do this internally, to be internally motivated. And while the experience of this is jarring and it's disorienting, it's also an opportunity for us to live lives that are beautiful and holistic. People in the church have written and talked about and practiced this for thousands of years. They've all set about it by asking and answering the question, if my life is hidden with Christ and God, and all of life is worship, how do I order my hours, my days, my life to live into the reality of who I am and whose I am? And to answer that question, the church at various times has talked about what is called a rule of life. Now, that phrase rule of life may sound legalistic or overbearing, but rule comes from the Latin word regula, which is where we get our word regular. So a rule of life is just answering the question, what do I want my regular life to look like? Knowing who God is and who I am as a human. How do I order my hours, my days, my life to embrace both my responsibilities and my limits? And to talk about a rule of life, I've asked my friend, the Reverend Stuart Swain, to join me. Stuart, or Stu Baby, Stu, uh, he is the campus minister at University of Alabama with RUF. And he was an intern with RUF at Wake Forest in the glory days, and he is married to the lovely Mary Cannon. And I'm going to add him now uh, to the video. I'm waiting for him to join. Um, so excited that he's joining us this morning. Yo! Good morning, Reverend Bourgeois. Bonjour, Jean Bourgeois. Ah, Stu, how are you? I'm great. What up, Wake? Yo, hey, Alabama. I guess Alabama's doing this too, right? That's there right. You go. Oh, man. Um, so, Stu, I want to ask you a couple of questions about rule of life stuff, uh, knowing that it's been something that's been helpful for you. So, just to start, um, how have you found it to be helpful? Um, how did you discover it? How has it led to freedom for you? So the rule of life, I love how Andy Crouch puts it. He said it's a way to guard our habits and to guide our life. So to guard our habits and to guide our life. So I've thought about it as a way to participate with Jesus daily, weekly, monthly. It's just a way to join Jesus. It's a way to join grace. It's a way to be with God in a rhythmed way. And so I would say that I've found the rule of life through people like you 
and other campus ministers at other schools and RUF and reading different books. And I think just a growing overall dissatisfaction with the disconnect between my own life and calendar and time and what I was saying about Jesus and just the burnout that came from that and just feeling like there had to be something more. There had to be something more out there uh, to root myself rather than just being reactive and anxious. And so as you've done that, as you've imposed a structure um, habits to guide your life and following Jesus. How how has that led to freedom for you? What has been the the fruit of building this exoskeleton or in, or endoskeleton? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think the crazy thing about freedom in the Christian life is that we actually become unlimited when we limit ourselves to the right things. So I love that idea of like marriage of like you're limiting yourself to one person, but you're creating unlimited opportunities. Or when you put something on your calendar, you're limiting yourself to this thing, but you're tapping into a power that's so much more than you. So I think for me, like I had to have the vision of just how Jesus wants us to experience an unceasing relationship with him and a relationship of prayer with him, that it comes through limitation. I'm somebody who always wants to be everywhere and do everything and always saw limitation as a negative thing. So I think for me, it was the dissatisfaction of just feeling like, man, like I'm fragmented, I'm tired and feeling like that wasn't working. And so I feel like the invitation from Jesus, who just says, follow me. It's not a limit. Like Jesus doesn't say, read your Bible every morning. He doesn't say like, pray exactly at this time. Like he, all he just says is follow me. This is what, um, this is what, uh, the pastor out in Portland, Oregon talks about John Mark Homer. Yeah, John Mark Homer. Like he just says, follow me. And so I think it really opened up to me just this idea of like, okay, what would it really look like to follow Jesus and to use my will um, to realize that I have a will? Because I think as as like PCA or as Presbyterians or Reformed people, a lot of times we can be like, well, it's God's sovereign and God's going to do everything. So I'll just sit back. Right. And like, you know, and I hear good preaching and, and it's like, wow, like, what does that say about how we think God feels about our desires and our will and our participation? Like it just, it just, for me, I began to live like a robot rather than a human that God actually wanted to love and, and rescue my ambition. So that's, that's great. I, um, yeah, something I've been thinking about in this is it's out of reading that book by John Mark Comer, the ruthless elimination of hurry, um, which we both read and, and have found to be really helpful. Um, when he talks about Jesus's yoke in that, he says that, that when Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, it's this invitation to like the, the way that an ox would have a yoke over its shoulder and then another ox would be yoked to it and they'd walk together. Jesus is inv- inviting us to, to step under what he has for us and to move at his pace. And I've been thinking that in connection to um, in Galatians 5, the apostle Paul says to keep in step with the spirit and just learning that, that the, the pace of the spirit is, I think it's slower than I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I always used to hear keeping pace with the spirit. It's like, John, you better catch up. I mean, are you doing enough? Are you, are you moving the speed that God's moving? But meditating on those two passages together, learning, Oh, I think Jesus is actually calling me to slow down and to, like you said, embrace limits. I remember my first year in campus ministry, I, I said, I finished the year, and I was like, I wish there were two of me. There's so many people in this campus, but there's two of me. And then um, it was like, it's not good 
there's just one of me. And then I finished the second year, and I thought, okay, I guess it's okay that there's just one of me. And then finished my third year and realized, woken up, right, by Scripture, that God actually said that it's very good that he made one of me. And so the rule of life has helped me to to live into the very good of my limitations. Um, also, the, the, like the, the gifts and the creativity and all that stuff that he's given me, but understanding that he's given to me in this body with these restraints. Um, here is restraint number three. <laughs> uh, and um, and uh, the responsibilities he's given me and the, the hours of the day. Here's Mary Landon. I'm Mary Landon. Here's a bird feather. I think a bird got mauled in my backyard this morning. Look at all these feathers. I saw a fox run across my backyard this morning at like 7.15. And I would say, honestly, like, that's the spiritual life, right, is becoming aware and aware to what's going on around you, right? Becoming aware yeah. of your kids and, like, how they're playing and how they're laughing and inviting them into it and seeing, noticing, like, there's bird feathers all around. Like, what in the world went <laughs> went on here um i think we have this like you said like i have this idea of like this is what jesus wants to do wants me to do for him this is what jesus wants us to do and as enneagram threes i think we are constantly feeling like we're not doing enough we need to do more more. and um like you said like we have to to slow down to catch up to jesus yeah and i also feel like the what the rule of life does is it like it like basically puts us in the highway of like god's grace of like for God, it puts us in the middle of the river for God's water to flow and to catch yeah. us. And like, and so it's, it's so cool. Like you said, like every moment is holy. If God is speaking to us, then, then it's like this really awesome opportunity to, it's more of an adventure. Honestly, by limiting yourself, you create more adventure, which is yeah. great. Um, you can see the chaos of my house. Um, all right, come on, buddy. Uh, limitation number one. <laughs> You've met all three. You get to see all three. You've already met them. Um, okay, uh, so let's get practical. Um, what what does this look like on the ground? Like, what are the areas of life that you would that you have found helpful to order, and that you would say, what is a simple way? Because think about a call, like thinking of a college student who's watching this, who's like, that sounds great, but I'm not a pastor. You know, yeah. I don't I, like how how can this be something that's uh, not just doable but um life-giving for college students yeah so if you're a christian you've been called by christ to christ so that is your number one limitation that's our limitation is our father so we're all called to the same father and like father like son you know how do we embrace that limitation in our particular occupation so john is a father of three kids and he's married you have four kids now it feels like it (laughs) three kids and then you you are a pastor and so i think we you know if you're a college student your limitation is is first god and then it's you know your occupation as a student and being a friend to people and your family and all if you have a job that job like you basically take into account like what are the things that god has called me to but but he's all called us to the same vocation we just work that out in a different occupation that's what sandy wilson said which is really helpful for me. So what I would say really practically is, so how do you live into being a son or a daughter of God throughout the week? So in order to do that, right, you need to spend time with God. And the way in which God communicates to us is through all of the world and through his scripture. And so we get to spend time receiving God's word. 
mm-hmm. and we get to spend time. So I think practically it looks like spending some time receiving God's word. And then we communicate to God through prayer. So I think it looks like setting aside times to, to pray. So really practically, I get up and I go outside and I realize that if I go on technology, then I'm going to be shaped and formed by that instead of shaped and formed by Jesus. So yeah. I go outside, I open up the Bible, and I start in the next paragraph in the Gospel of John. And I listen to it, I meditate on it, I pray to God, and then have some times of silence. And then go into my day, spending time talking to people, um, spending time reaching out to people, and talking to Jesus about it, and seeing all of it as like a participation with Jesus. Life is a participation with Jesus. And then spend time caring for my body that God's given. So working out and doing different things like that. And then throughout the day, spending time with my wife and enjoying and being with her. And just basically ordering your life in some ways where the things at the end of the day that like you're saying you're committing to, like that you've spent your time there. Mm -hmm. So it's basically trying to orient yourself towards the goals that God has set for us or the reality that God has invited us into. And it's, it's really fun because you don't feel like you have to do everything in a day. If it's more participation than it is about perfection, then you're not like, Oh, I got to get this done. Or like, like I find that a lot of people right now are like, I want to read the Bible in a year, which, okay. Like that's cool in a lot of ways, but it's like, I think it would be far better to just read five minutes every day. Yeah. Yeah, and just like that. Rather than this grandiose, I feel like these grandiose ideas of like, I'm going to start doing these big things are born out of shame of like, I'm not enough. I need to do something more. And I feel like the things that are sustainable over time are repeatable, you know, like bite sized behavior things that you build up over time. So it's way better. Brene Brown talks about better is a five minute walk done than a 15 minute run dreamt of. So I think just the idea of like, do something and do something small and do it incrementally over time. And that's what the rule of life really sets you up to do. And and I I like what you said about the calendar that when you you put something in your calendar, it it limits you, but that opens you up. And like, if I have prayer on my calendar, so we do, I know y'all are doing something to your students, but we're doing like a a set time of prayer. And I know a lot of my students can't do it. They actually have more work right now. A lot of them have more work than they did before going into quarantine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel, I feel for, I feel for y'all just the how, um, this that constraint and that burden and the way that feels suffocating, but that that ability to say, like you said, Bible before technology. Um, something Andy Crouch does is he he goes out and he looks at the sky before he turns on his phone. Yeah, um, just these simple practices that, um, like saying a blessing before the meal. Um, like these things are just like habits that, that, um, right. And it's, I think, I think something you've alluded to and one of the ways I like to think about it, it's the, really the question for me, the reason why I've done this is that I'm trying to change the question that I'm answering every day from what am I going to accomplish today to who am I becoming? Yes, exactly. Um, Because it, this helps me to think 40 years from now when I'm 75, what sort of man do I want to be? Yes. And I have no way of imagining that except by thinking through my day as who am I becoming? Am I becoming someone who loves God and loves my neighbor? How do I practice that? How do I participate with Jesus? How do I grow into that? It's by these small things. 
Like for us right now, part of our rule is like we, we planted a garden, not because we're scared of running out of food, but because we want to be our days to be ordered around the cultivation of something um, that's outside of us, the care of life that's outside of us. Um, and, you know, I think like like you said about bite sized things, like if, if, if you, there's a book that you want to read, read five minutes a day. Um, like that, just that giving yourself to a thing. And also, um, would you talk just a little bit about about the like the gift of accountability in this? I think often when in Christian circles we hear the word accountability, and it feels like a an outside, like it feels like a burden. Um, how is how have you found doing this with others to be like something that's increased your joy and been a gift? Yeah, I mean, one is I I would just say this too. Like I think. I can be scared to see Jesus as a teacher because I feel like that means that I'm not seeing him as a savior, right? Yeah. And I feel like in order for us to have a healthy rule of life or relationship with Jesus, we need to see him as our teacher too. And like any, if he's the greatest teacher of all time, if his lifestyle is the one that we're to be emulate, to become ourselves and to become like him, to please God, like, and like, then we need to look at his life and emulate his, his lifestyle. And I feel like that's, Anyway, that's that's really exciting. To answer your question more specifically, like <laughs> I don't know, I feel like there's so much joy to be found in recognizing that all of the New Testament, all the Bible's written to collective people. Yeah. It's, written to, it's written to Christians. And so like the burden of having to do this by myself feels far more oppressive than the potential negatives of accountability, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess, I don't know, for me, it seems like a journey of like, oh, wow, I get to learn from other people. Like, it's always, the rule of life is you're always tweaking it. Like, you're always, it's not like so set in stone that you're like, it, it exists so that we would participate here and now in the transcendent reality that God is king and God is tending right. to us and God is with us. And I, I love hearing how you do your rule of life and how other people do it and I just feel like it's an opportunity to learn from one another. It's an opportunity to embrace adventure. Yeah. And so I'd say, I'd say for students who are listening, if this is something you want to do, grab a friend. Um, I think some of the ways that I've, I've had friendship in this, one is Stu and I are in a group of people who, who have a Voxer conversation, which is an app where it's like a walkie talkie. And Stu always boxes us from his, his bike at home, his like stationary bike that he rides. And so I often hear him say, all right, I'm out of this battle. And I don't know if that's accountability for you, but it feels like you're inviting me into this thing that's been really healthy and good for you. Um, and another one for me is uh, the first week of quarantine, I couldn't get out of bed. Like, I just could not wake up. I was sleeping. My kids were waking us up. I was getting up way, way, way too late. And I realized that um, I needed some sort of accountability. And so what I do is I've got a, I have a phone call, a FaceTime with a friend early in the morning um, just to say good morning, peace be with you and start the day. And that is, that's been really fun because now I get to see a friend's face early and together he's already awake, um, but together get to to begin the day. And so, um, yeah, I think, I guess practically what I'd say to people is um, think about all the areas of your life, physical, spiritual, emotional, uh, your work, um, and, and then, uh, what other areas would you include relational? Yeah. Relational mental. Um, yeah, 
mean, I think just the big categories of that big category. your life, your time. All yeah. That. And then start really simple and um, think about, okay, what, what is required of you, your work. Uh, and, but also thinking about these as something Ellis Kiefer, our, our campus staff at Wake likes to say, I think uh, a friend taught her this is that uh, when you're building your schedule, start with the big rocks. Yes. So, so fill your jar with the big rock. So prayer, silence and solitude, Bible and prayer, um, Sabbath, work, um, relationships. This is the big rocks. And then let the little rocks filter in as opposed to what we often do, which is we let the whatever's immediate in front of us, the, the urgent, we let that tyrannize us. Yes. And then we end up giving um, the, the, these things that, are, that should be the big rocks become um, we, we just like try to squeeze them in the margins. Yeah. And I, to that point, like we weren't born to multitask, right? Like we can only really do one thing at once. And you, you get so much more of you back when you're doing one thing at once. So yeah. I would really encourage you all like this is a way of like you're saying for two hours, like I'm going to work on this paper for class and I'm going to put my phone over there. And like, I'm not going to live reactively. Like, this is what I'm going to do. It's it's boundaries too. Yeah. And it's boundaries that exist so that you would bless other people ultimately. Um, and it's not just boundaries that stop there. It's not just things that just. Stop. There's a transcendence. There's like, uh, to to be with God is to bless other people. And so I think that that's a really cool way to think about it. Is just like, wow, like we. Uh, I lost you. You're frozen. Can you say that again? You got frozen. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, we have permission from God to be in this one place at this one time on earth. I feel like this tyranny a lot of times of like, ah, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. I should be doing. And it's like, um, if God is enabling us just to be in this one place right now, then this is all I have to be. And then I'm not spending all that energy thinking about what I should be doing, right? And all that bandwidth isn't taken up in all that stuff. And you get. You get your energy back. You get your time back because you know that, okay, this has an end point and then I'll do something else, you know, in two hours from now. And it can feel very arbitrary and it's hard when you get going because you're teaching your brain new, you're carving new mental pathways and neural pathways and you're figuring out how to do stuff you've never done before, which is always hard. And I'll say that about the global pandemic, like we're all trying to live in something we've never lived in before. And so lots of grace but I feel like yeah. it's needed more structure is always needed. Um, and if you're a person and you hear that, like I would have, like I'm not a structured person. Like just know that like, um, even if you're not a structured person, structure could really give more meaning to your unstructured too. Yeah. And I think, um, I think one of the things, one of the images that comes to mind when I, when I hear pandemic and structure is I am, Oh, I am legend. You seen that Will Smith movie? Yeah. And it's like him having this intense regimen because he's the only human in New York. And I just don't think that's a helpful category for us because it's alone. What's wrong, George? Help. I'll help you with your bike in just a minute. Um, we're live on Instagram, Ray Clark. You want to say hi? <laughs> um, because that's the like, I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to accomplish it so I can stay alive. And uh, the beauty of what God has given us is that because the Bible, let's tell a quick story, because the, the Bible is written to the community of the church, and one of the requirements, there's very, there, there are few things that God requires of us as Christians, and one of them is friendship. 
that's one of the, the, the few relationships that uh, were called into as essential. And right, there's no guarantee that we're going to be married. Um, yeah. uh, but friendship is something that we're we're told over and over again in scriptures is to be part of our lives and the, the goodness and blessing and the need for others. And um, this is not a solitary thing. I, I remember uh, a few years ago when I was working in, um, in student ministry in high school student ministry, I heard a story about a, a student who came to one of our summer programs. who's a boarding school student in new England and she, she became a Christian and she said, I don't have any, there are zero Christians at my school. How do I have fellowship? And and her staff, uh, her, her staff worker said, "Well, let's pray because God doesn't want us to not have fellowship." And so she prayed, and then a handful of her friends became Christians, and then they had fellowship at their school. Mm. And just the beauty that, like, if you're feeling I'm alone in this, ask Jesus for help, and He will yeah. give you the people to walk with you through this. Because this is um, He wants, right? He calls us to follow Him. He calls us to step under his yoke, but he calls us to do this together, uh, that our joy might, in, might, might increase and that uh, our love of God would increase and that our neighbors would be blessed by us. Yeah. He does that all together. A hundred percent. And our, our role of pastors, you said it so well, like our role of pastors is not to make something happen, right? It's to point to whatever God is already doing in students' yeah. lives. And so... We know that we're just privileged to be with you. We believe that God loves you, that he loves us, that he loves his people. And so it's this opportunity of, if you're wondering of like, how do I take my first step? Um, that's a great question to ask God of like, yeah. you can pray to God too. He hears you just as much. And we, and so, you know, what would it look like? What do you think God is calling you to do to order your days right now? Let that be an exciting thing. You know, how does God want me to spend my time? How can I honor my friends? How can I honor him? How can I honor the commitments that I have? And it's particular to you. And um, it'll have the same overarching categories uh, as a lot of us. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see what God does in y'all's lives. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Boosh. Yeah. Thanks, dude. This is great. Um, Hopefully, hopefully the distractions running around weren't. That's, That's it, right? That's the reality. Yes. Of, uh, of well, you get, it gives us a good window. I think quarantine just gives us a good window. We see people at home. So we actually get yeah. to see what their lives are really like. And it, it can, it can provide empathy because then you realize like, Oh man, like it takes away the image, right. Of like pastors spend their whole day alone with Jesus, you know, and like, no, like there's all kinds of things that are going on and all kinds yeah. of distractions of being a parent. And, and so it just, it helps me to understand more of you so that I can, love you care for you and it's a i think distractions and you get a you get to see what's going on in people's lives and how you can care for them better so. yeah and with that also uh that um the the christian life is not the perfect instagram with all the sadness cropped out yes. right it's, and not the me- it's not mess free right um i mean i'm so ridiculous i put on a collared shirt this morning like with, why why am I not wearing a t-shirt? Why am I not wearing a collared shirt? I probably should have worn a collared shirt. Like, but it's just, I mean, just the the reality that uh, that the lives that we actually live are the ones that Jesus uh, delights in. He delights in us. And he delights in you uh, in in the mess of what life actually looks like. Yeah. Wake Forest, you have a great pastor. Thanks, Bill. Alabama. <laughs> is, that, is that how we talk? 
Can you save me? Turn it off. <laughs> All right. Thanks, I love you. I'll see ya. All right. See ya.